My beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, we have arrived at the fourth Sunday of the great fast. And as I mentioned Wednesday evening, this fourth week, the fifth week, and the sixth week tend to be the most difficult, particularly the fourth and the fifth, because you're still a long way, you know, out to Pascha. And we can start to give ourselves dispensations and, and uh, allowing ourselves foods or things that we were trying to abstain from. Well, it made it particularly hard for me here on the hill yesterday and the day before uh, on Friday because with the nice weather, the neighbors were firing up their barbecuers and you could smell the meat wharfing up and coming up through the, the breezeway here. This is the fourth Sunday and this Sunday we commemorate St. John of Climacus, St. John of the Ladder. He lived in the late 6th century, early 7th century, died about 749, somewhere right in there. And he uh, was the, an abbot for the great monastery of St. Catherine of Sinai in, in the desert where the, uh, Moses uh, saw the burning bush. In fact, the, that bush is there uh, within the, the monastery walls. And uh, so he was an abbot of that monastery, and he did that great work, that spiritual work called the Ladder of Divine Ascent which is the work that uh, you would read going through the course of the fast. Monastics would read it every day through the course of Lent. This morning, Pawnee Kelly and I received a little video clip. And I know you all know, they're probably watching this morning, the Gomez's, right? Katrina Juan Gomez. And the little clip was of their little girl, Sophia Maria. And they have a newborn baby, and so Sophia Maria was laying on the couch asleep with the newborn baby boy, and mom was recording just the cuteness of it. And Sophia Maria kind of woke up and spoke in a language, a dialect I couldn't quite understand, with this hand gesture. And you could hear the mom go, what? And then this serene smile, we can go to heaven. Now, I couldn't make out the dialect. There was a couple words that sounded like Greek, uh, Zion and Phos, but wasn't quite right. You know, the Zion of light. But what struck me was the serenity and the absolute conviction of that little girl, we can go to heaven. And it really draws attention to our gospel today, this notion of belief. Jesus had been on Mount Tabor, and we are journeying with him as he goes to Jerusalem for his passion. He comes down the mountain. Remember, he was up there with Peter, James, and John, and he comes down. And he's there, gathers with the rest of his disciples, and there was a great crowd that had gathered. And a dad had been trying to get his son healed from a mute spirit. Something happened with the disciples that they were unable to heal the boy. Now, they had had the power earlier to cast out demons and heal all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Jesus had empowered them to do that. And they came back praising God that even the demons were subject to their name. But for some reason, they couldn't do it with this boy. 
And Jesus arrives, and the father goes to him and asks, can you do something for him? And Jesus says, you faithless people, bring the boy to me. And when they bring the boy, he goes into convulsions. And Jesus asks, how long has this happened? And the father says, since he was a boy, it throws him into the water and the fire, and you would think it would kill him. But if there's anything you can do, please do it. And Jesus says, if? All things are possible for the one who believes. Now this man felt the weight of Jesus' statement upon his shoulders. All things are possible for him who believes. And we can see his understanding of the weight of what he was just asked. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe that I don't believe enough. When we hear this gospel reading, we oftentimes refer it to the fact that if I believe just hard enough, I can have God do everything I've laid out for him to do for me. I can have my health. I can have my uh, lack of suffering. I can have this, that, and the other thing. If I just believe. And if I don't get it, well, maybe I've got to get a different icon with a different saint, or maybe I've got to try a different prayer and say it a different way a number of different times. Well, what Jesus is trying to do is turn our expectations of what faith is upside down. He's trying to tell us all these works and miracles I've done are merely to point to the fact that I have the power of God within me. He's trying to bring them to this knowledge of faith of who he is. And we get a little clue of what it is that's the most important that he's trying to drive home to this father, to those around him, and to you and I today. And the father said it. You would think it would kill him. Now when Jesus came down the mountain, he told the three, before they joined the crowd, that the Son of Man will rise in three days. Then we heard at the end of our reading today, Jesus telling his disciples that the Son of Man is going to be handed over to men who are going to put him to death. But he will rise on the third day. What Jesus is trying to do is, is get us to see what is the, truly the miraculous thing. It's not that he's healed people. It's the fact that the Word of God, the Logos, became flesh, dwelt among us, willingly and freely chose to suffer and die for us, to suffer the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, to die, to put death to death, and to rise again, giving us new life in Him. And our new life in Him, we get grafted into through our baptism. That's of paramount importance. It's the fact that the Word of God died and rose. 
And so we have this theme placed on this Sunday as we journey and get prepared for the great events of Holy Week and Pascha. Little Sophia Maria summed that all up in those pure words of faith with those beautiful hand gestures, we can go to heaven. Now certainly she didn't understand everything, but there was a conviction. Do you and I have that conviction? All things are possible for him who believes. Do we truly believe? Do we truly believe? His word of God died and risen. To the point that that takes precedence over ourselves than over asking for any other kind of things and trinkets we may want. Where we see the paramount importance is that my life is in Christ and with Christ I am in heaven. Everything else is secondary and to prepare me for that. He's trying to tell us what is the most important thing. All things are possible for him who believes. Because if we had that kind of belief, if we have that, then why are we worried and filled with anxieties of whatever is happening in the world? Why would we fear being suffered and tortured and, and, and all these other things? You look at the saints, look at St. Ignatius of Antioch. He was wrongly accused. I mean, what did, he has done nothing wrong. And yet he tried to make sure nobody stopped it. Let the government do what the government's going to do. I know my life is in the risen Lord. That's what's important. My life in Him. Not what I can get out of this world. And as we look over the lives of the saints, they're all the same way. This conviction that God chose to be with us in a manner that would give us life in Him. That would make us to become partakers of Him, have communion with Him. It's not about, God, if I just pray hard enough, I can get this or that or the other. The prayer is about, help me, Lord, to have a deeper understanding of who you are. Help me to have a deeper relationship with you. You know the number of hairs on my head. You know my needs before I ask or recognize them. That's enough. My concern is to be with you. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. This is what we need to take to prayer. This is what will give us the strength to endure all that comes our way, to make sense of it all. That God became man. And as Athanasius would say, that man might become God through grace, through participation.
All things are possible for him who believes. Is there our belief only to get what we want, to get God to line up everything for us so all the dominoes fall just the way we want? Or is our belief in such that what is important is life with him, in this life and the world to come, trusting that he will take care of it all? Because the Son of Man has come. He has come in the flesh. He willingly died. And He willingly rose for you and for I. So that as little Sophia Maria would say, so that we can go to heaven. That's the important thing. That's what we're striving to come to a deeper understanding of. That's what we should be praying and asking for. Asking God to give us true faith in Him. You know, when you look at the lives of the saints, you take St. Ignatius of Antioch. He was so convinced that it was Christ, Jesus, who died and rose, that he had no fear of death himself. So convinced was he of that that he eagerly longed for it to be one with his Christ. So eagerly hungry was for that that he did not care that he was being falsely charged by the government. He didn't care about any of that. He didn't care about the false accusations that came his way. He wanted Christ. Because he had the utter conviction that he was the one that died and rose to give new life. We look at the lives of all the saints throughout the Synaxarian. They suffered terribly, but they did it with joy. Because they were convinced of who they were doing it for. So if we truly believed... If we had that faith that Jesus was telling the Father to have, we would be like that. We wouldn't care about all the accusations, the false accusations to us, or the government's controlling us, and all that fear and anxiety. All we want is Christ. We need to reorder our thinking. We need to have that singularity of purpose as Ignatius of Antioch, as John of Glaucus. It's only with this that others will see our conviction and be willing to at least take notice. And if they don't take notice, they will at least respect the fact that we have conviction for what we believe, despite the sufferings we take. Even those who put the, put the saints to death, notice that there was something different. Great Longinus, of course, he put our Lord to death, and then he was converted, and many others as well. Because of the conviction of the one that died, Let's have that conviction. Let's take it back. And so this Lent is given to us to change our mind, reevaluate our purpose, and what our goal is. We are here to come to a deeper understanding of who Christ is. Everything else is meaningless in light of that. If we don't have that conviction, none of it's going to work. It's entertaining, yes. It's exhilarating to find out all these learning, all these new and fun things. Great. But it won't do anything for our salvation or the salvation of anyone else. We have.
have to be convinced ourselves. With that conviction, we can live in the manner that Christ has called us to. Without fear, without anxiety or dread. Because if we don't come what may, all that matters is Christ is proclaimed and that I die for Christ. And maybe I die as Ignatius or many of the others. Or I die through being humiliated or falsely accused or falsely imprisoned. So be it. So long as Christ is proclaimed. So long as his death and resurrection is made known to the world. This is what Jesus is trying to present to us. The conviction that we must have in faith. Not if I pray hard enough, I will get what I want. But if I pray hard enough with belief, I will endure all. Because I know who Jesus is. And he will carry me through. So blessed evening. And let that light of Christ shine in your hearts. And live with conviction and without fear. Our time is running short. Already another uncle, not my family, this time Connie Kelly's family has passed away. Who knows? I'm next? Who? Now's the time. This Lent, put everything else away. And ask God to help you come to a deeper understanding of who he is. What he's done.